Welcome to the Entrepreneur's Trust podcast, dedicated to those taking the challenging road to bring positive ideas to society. My name is Asim Ishak. I'm an award-winning entrepreneur and inventor. I've worked with government, corporates, billionaires, and I've led startups to raise millions to commercialize their innovations. But I have seen way too many business failures. So I created the Entrepreneur's Trust to bring reality to the startup world and help protect innovators from failure. I work with entrepreneurs, coaching them to commercialize. I'm a consultant for growth, and I deliver failure-beating seminars with universities and accelerators. This podcast is my way of sharing great lessons from experts and leaders that I respect for our successful entrepreneurial journey. So sit back, relax, and listen in. Well, delighted to have you join me for the Entrepreneurs Trust podcast. In this podcast, we are talking about a subject dear to my heart, something that I've always wanted to do, and that if I do this, this is the lady that's going to help me do it knowingly or knowingly. Um, this is a, a real breakthrough person for me. And we're talking about writing a book. It's something that most people have within them and the pandemic is helping us reflect on who we are what we want out of life and where we want to go and for some of us we are reflecting upon who we are um, and what we are in this world and for some of us that means that writing a book may well be part of the journey so it's really interesting to talk to my guest today who is Ginny Carter. Ginny is a ghostwriter and a book coach so she is an expert in helping people with expertise and, and entrepreneurs to actually turn their idea, their motivation, their passion into a book. Ginny, welcome to the Entrepreneur Social Podcast. How are you? Thank you. I'm absolutely delighted to be here. Thank you very much. And it's very nice to make contact with people in the outside world, especially at the moment, even if it's only on a screen. You know what? Isn't it great to just do that? How would it be if we were just living like 20 years ago and all we had was a dial, a ring, circular phone and we really would be isolated, wouldn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how is the book world and how are you coping through pandemic? Well, for me, I've worked from home for many years, as most writers do. Uh, So actually, for me, nothing has changed dramatically in my work life. I'm still ghostwriting books. I'm still coaching people to write their books. And I've always done most of it uh, through Zoom or, you know, at a distance uh, in, in one way or another. I think I suppose the main difference for me has been having my family at home, my teenage children uh, homeschooling or it's supposed to be. Um, and so, you know, that's always that's kind of posed a few challenges in terms of just having a bit of peace and quiet. I've got door. I've got posters on my door right now saying silence <laughs> <laughs> while we're doing this. Hopefully, hopefully they'll take notice of it. I'd like to do the same, but it, it, it never works. My daughter usually toddles in most of my calls, so uh, we might see her. Uh, oh, well. <laughs> she to visit today, I don't know. And I won't feel snubbed if she doesn't uh, come to visit today. But you are a professional ghostwriter. You're a writing coach. You're actually an award-winning author. And we actually met virtually through the British Business Book Awards, which uh, your book won the category, didn't it? It did. I was just over the moon. It was it was wonderful. Um, yeah, because as well as you know, we didn't have a, a physical ceremony because of social distancing. So at first, I was a bit disappointed. I thought oh, it would be lovely because obviously I didn't know at that point whether I won or not. But I thought it would be good fun to turn up and, and meet people. Mm-hmm. And then, but actually online, you know, it was kind of nice because it meant I could be there with my family who couldn't have been there at the live event. Yeah, big shout out to the Business Book Awards. They did a, a fantastic virtual awards event and I thought it was one of the best I've ever been to. So uh, It was extraordinary and uh, I'd recommend if there's any business authors out there who are coming towards the end of their book and they're thinking about entering it for an award, I'd highly recommend they do that. But yeah, it was extraordinary. So when I found out I'd won the sales and marketing category with my book, I was just thrilled. And of course, it was lovely to have my family around. We could all jump up and down together. So that was nice. <laughs> oh, wonderful. But we are- are actually all looking forward to actual a real event sometime when this pandemic allows us and one of the other things that you do is you're on a mission to help people who've got a burning desire to share their knowledge uh, to help others you have a mission to help them convert that those thoughts into a book that you know does lots of things and we'll talk about what a book does how long have you been doing this job as a ghostwriter and a book coach i've been doing this about five years now 
prior to that, I, I worked in marketing most of my career and then moved into social media management. So I, I was working for myself, but doing social media management for various different kinds of businesses. And it was around about the time when businesses were really just starting to use social media in a big way. You know, it wasn't like the thing it is now where everyone does it. Some people were doing it, some people weren't, and they needed somebody who had some expertise in it. So I did that for two or three years and it was going really well. Um, but I kind of fell out of love with it after a while for various reasons and kind of got to this point where I thought, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And it was a bit of a crisis point, really. I knew I didn't want to carry on with the social media for five more years. So I ended up working with a coach who helped me to find what I truly wanted to do. And um, it was a real turning point because I realized that the feedback I'd always had from my clients, my social media clients, was how do you sound like us when you post for us? You know, how do you come across in our voice so well? And I just thought, well, um, I just thought everyone can do that, can't they? I didn't think there was anything particularly special about it. And then I realized that actually there was, I had a talent for it. And I, I'd always enjoyed writing and been good at it. So I kind of transitioned really from that into ghostwriting business books. So putting all my business experience together with my writing skills. I kind of talk about it a bit as if I went from 140 characters in a tweet to 140 pages. So it was quite a change. But yeah, well, I'm really pleased I, I did. So what's the skill in being a written form impersonator, which is really what you are? Mm, that's an interesting way of describing it. I've not thought about it. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. And the skill in it, I think I can't really work out whether it's an innate talent, something you've either got or you haven't, or whether it's something you can learn. I don't know. But I kind of just seem to have the knack for it. And I think what it involves is just having a really keen ear for the way that people put themselves across so that you can pick up on those words and phrases and the, the tone of voice and the way that people like to put themselves across. Everyone's got their own individual way of doing it. And it's a question of just being really sensitive to that so that I'm minimizing the, the amount of me that's in there and maximizing the amount of that's them. So who have you written for? Oh, if I told you I'd have to kill you, I'm afraid. Sorry. Oh, no, no, that would be on. the end of you. This, this is <laughs> terrible. Wasn't it part of the contract that you had shared? Didn't you cite? Sorry, no juicy details oh, from me, God. I'm afraid. Dear listener, I have tried. <laughs> and I, I can't bribe her with a, a drink or anything. It's... No, not at the moment. No, exactly. Oh, well. Well, I guess that secret will just uh, go with you. It, it will go with me to my grave. <laughs> well, that's a note to anybody who's thinking of hiring a ghostwriter that uh, Ginny certainly won't spill the beans on <laughs> Well, thank you for honouring that. As an entrepreneur, I meet loads of other coaches and speakers. They often, some of them actually have a book. For me, it does feel like they have a, an air of greater credibility so if I'm interested in the idea of, of writing a book because I have certain tools that I developed for my work to help entrepreneurs through challenging times. And it would be nice to have that in written form so I can share the message with lots of people. But what is the biggest reason that your clients come to you as a coach and as a ghostwriter as well to say, you know, Ginny, I've got this burning idea. Can you help me? What is it that motivates them? It could be a number of things, but I think the most common one is the desire to raise raise your profile and give yourself more credibility and authority. Um, I mean, the word authority comes from author. I think when you've written a book about something, it's deeply impressive. The, the simple fact you've written a book at all is very impressive for people because it shows that you know enough about something to write a whole book about it. And also that you've got the kind of the intellectual capacity to do it and the sticking power and the the perseverance to get it all out there and, and those things all together they say a lot about a person they they really um it's a, a platform raising tool it's why I, the subtitle of my book is to put yourself in the spotlight you know with your book because it does do that it kind of shines a light on you as a person um, and then of course you can use the book in all sorts of ways um, go on podcasts <laughs> for example um speaking opportunities new client opportunities you, you know you spread your uh your, your message much further than, than you can do just by I know, going to networking events or whatever. So, um, so that's the kind of the main reason. But I mean, also, there's the desire to share knowledge. And, and that's a really satisfying thing to do. You know, when you know a thing, and you know that you, there's a really good way of doing it, or a really great way of thinking about it, and most people don't know this. It's a drive, I think, we have within us as people to share our knowledge, share our expertise. It's a really wonderful thing to be able to do, to feel that you've helped people. So those two things together, really, are the most common incentives, I guess, to write a book. 
It's really interesting what you didn't say. You did not say it's about making money. So if somebody were to think about writing a book for the sole purpose of actually making money, where should that be on their list of priorities? <laughs> yeah, well, it's true. You won't make money from your book or you'll be unlikely to make a lot of money from your book just by selling copies of it mm-hmm. um, in terms of the royalties that you'll receive because they're actually pretty low. And, um, you know, if a book costs £15, say, it doesn't take a lot of imagination to realise you'll need to sell an awful lot of them to, you know, to, make, to make a big return on your investment. But where you do make money uh, is in the way you use your book. So most people should be able to find if they've written a good book and they've used it in the right way, they should make multiple times back um, on what they've spent on it in terms of either time or money. And actually, there's a nice saying that you earn the money from your book more by talking about it than you do by selling it. <laughs> you see what I mean? Um, so it's just a question of being canny, really, with what you, know, what you do with your book. But there is certainly a return. It's just not in the direct way that, that some people think. I was listening to Brian Tracy, and I think he's written about 85 books. He writes one book every three months. And he said, look, I just didn't make any money on the first five books. And that's an interesting perspective that supports what you're saying. It's really about launching yourself in a, in a bigger audience. So the book that you've written that I thoroughly enjoy reading and I'm reading and I'm using to help me further my own uh, thoughts on a book is Your Business, Your Book. And it's all about turning your idea into a business book. And as a judge in the Business Book Awards, uh, I, I read lots of them, and I just thought your your book stood up. You actually put out all the good stuff into your book uh, rather than holding back and giving suggestions on some of the how-to and the why. If I did nothing and all I did was follow your book, I think I'd do quite well. And how do you feel about the, the content that you put into a book? You know, what was your motivation in the way you presented the the information that you know about well I guess I'm a kind of fairly all-in kind of person so it would it just felt natural to me to to not to hold back on that but I, I do think it's a good move to do that anyway and I always say this to people that it's understandable sometimes people feel worried about putting the, the secret sauce in their book as they say because they're worried that people are just going to go away and read the book and then they won't need to work with them or they won't ask them to do all the speaking opportunities or the you know the consultancy work as oh what's the point I can read the book but in reality it doesn't work like that the fact is that people are never going to get as much out of your book as they will by working with you in person um I always liken it actually to a bit like celebrity recipe book so Gordon Ramsay comes out with a, a new book um everyone buys it and enjoys making the recipes at home but that doesn't mean you're never going to go and eat in one of his restaurants because the experience of actually eating there is a completely different one to the kind of somewhat amateur effects that you'd have of cooking it up at home you know and so I know you know I can write a better book for my clients probably than they will write themselves not necessarily because some people are very good writers but you know I'll probably do a better job of it and I will save them a lot of time uh, and I'll be a sounding board for them and I'll make the whole experience uh, a much more enjoyable and and productive one than if they were to do it at home but having said that with the book it'll be a hell of a lot better than than if they just did it without any help at all so I think there's always a benefit to just giving away everything you know because you've got nothing to lose you're going to impress people with what you shared and and if they want to work with you they still can and the people that don't probably won't going to anyway which is fine they've got the benefit of the books yeah I think in your book you also make it clear exactly what's involved in writing a book and therefore you know if you're not one to put that much effort in you then you're better off not doing it rather than trying it without any guidance and failing miserably and getting frustrated and you know giving up um I certainly feel that you are much more credible as an expert in your field having read the level of detail that you've put forward um so that's really helpful it's really interesting that most interviews with authors is the author that's promoting the book unlike this one i'm the one promoting your book i'm just letting you do it if what you say about my book is far more about, uh, far more convincing than anything that i could say <laughs> fantastic and i believe in everything i'm saying well thank you i do appreciate it i've actually recommended it to my friends and they have bought the book already oh thank you that's very kind i appreciate that if we turn to the entrepreneur that is listening to this podcast and he or she's going through the pandemic and having a moment of reflection what do you think is the most important part of of writing a book 
I think um, a lot of people are finding it very hard to focus at the moment on things. Um, and I think the cause of that is the uncertainty we're all living with. We're not used to it. We're not used to not knowing whether our kids are going to be back at school next month or whether we'll be able to go on holiday this year or whether we'll still have a business in three months' time. It's a really hard thing to live through. And I think it's just that not knowing that, that is a constant distraction for people, whatever they're trying to do. And I think if that's the way you feel and you really feel that you know writing a book is just something you can't do right now, then that's absolutely fine. I'm not telling people they should be doing it. But I think for some people, they have got more time to spend thinking about a book. Also, I think there's a lot of value to it. Um, because if you're somebody who's got some expertise to share and you've now got a bit of time to be thinking more about it and doing some writing, then the, the actual act of focusing on a book can be a very valuable distraction for you. You know, it's a way of channeling your energies. It's a way of making something positive out of a difficult situation. And also, I think the very act of planning and thinking about a book is kind of gives you a bit of a sense of control, a sense of focus, a sense of ownership of something. Um, because nobody can take away what's in your head, you know, that, that's yours. So if you can find a way of getting that down on paper, then that can be a really valuable thing to do. So that, I think, in, in terms of the process of writing a book, I think is a really worthwhile thing to think about. But also think about what it's going to do for you when we come out of all of this. You know, the world's going to be a very different sort of place. Business will have changed entirely. Um, some businesses will come out well. Some businesses will really struggle. And people who've got a book to their name will be the ones to come out on top of all of this. They'll be the ones that have got something to show for themselves, some authority building device, you know, that will help them. So it can never be a bad thing to write a book during this time if you feel that you can do it. Um, and what do you think about the idea of writing a pandemic book? I think we need to be a bit careful with it. I'm not against the idea entirely, but I think we need to be careful because there's going to be an awful lot of them. And But where I do think it's really, really useful is to think about whether the pandemic has given you some kind of fresh perspective on your work. Because I think that's true for a lot of people. And I, I know I've got a couple of clients that I'm working with at the moment where it's, it's done that for them. And we've been able to bring it into the book in a minor way. You know, there's not like the whole books about it, but it, it's just say, well, actually, um, if you do these things, then, then it helps you to be more flexible or it helps you to be more nimble or it helps you to think about your expertise in a different way. So, for example, if you were a, a coach that helps people to be more resilient, say, then this is a fantastic opportunity to think about the resilience you would need to get through a situation like this. Um, if you're a leader, if you're writing a book on leadership, say you're a leadership expert, how can you be a good leader in a time when people, what kind of leadership do people need in this sort of circumstance? Or how do you lead people when you, haven't, you can't make physical contact with them, you have to do it all remotely? You know, so there's all sorts of different perspectives and angles that can come out that you can bring into the book that I think is very useful and, and also a good way for you to make use of your time thinking about you know all the things you've learned during these these few weeks. I think it's really helpful to have a, that long-term view and if you have a long-term view the pandemic or whatever situation you're going through now it seems just like um, you know the weather that you have to get through whereas if if you just have a short-term view then if all you can see is the next few weeks then it becomes a horrific and horrible so I, I certainly agree with you it gives you a sense of perspective so what's the most important aspect of actually starting to write a book where should somebody begin I mean should I just kind of dive straight into writing my book telling my story or is there something else that I should be doing first well, I, I come across a lot of people who started writing a book, then they've got to about chapter four and, and, and given up. Um, and, and usually, I tend to find, usually the reason is, is because they started off writing the book, not really knowing quite what book they were writing. You know, they hadn't kind of done the thinking through at the beginning. So I always say uh, the best thing to do is to start off with what, thinking about what you want to achieve with your book. So I know that sounds really obvious, but... A lot of people don't do that. So when I talked before about uh, it being an authority builder, a credibility builder, or getting more speaking opportunities, uh, helping people, I mean, there's all sorts of different reasons you, you could want a book and they're personal to you. And I don't think anyone should feel bad about writing a book for their own business, for their own promotion. I mean, that's a perfectly valid reason to do it because it will only be a good book if it really helps people in any case. So that's all sort of baked into it. So I think understanding what you want to get out of the book is very important. And although it might not seem obvious at the beginning, it does actually have a lot of ramifications 
down the line. So it's very difficult to decide, for instance, how you're going to publish your book if you don't know why you wrote it in the first place. Same with how you're going to market it and promote it. Same with who you're going to write it for. If you're writing a book to help people, then you need to think about who it is you want to help. So that's your readership. So you need to understand what you want to get out of it and why you're doing it in the first place. So before we've even written any words on paper, on a computer, before we've started planning the actual book, you're really thinking about Stephen Covey's, you know, start with the end in mind. You're thinking, you're suggesting we we should start with who the audience is and what they're going to get out of it and what I'm going to get. So let's just play with the scenarios. If I want to use this to actually... um, create credibility. I'm not in it for the money at all. I want to use this to be invited to do more work in my professional subject area. How does that change the kind of book I write or the way it's published? Yeah, so if you were wanting to do it, say, to build your profile, then that might have an impact on the length of the book. Because I usually say you need a sort of certain amount of words to have the kind of a heft of a book if you want it to be an authority builder. Whereas if it's more of like a how-to guide to promote your latest training, your online coaching program, for example, then it might be that a shorter book would work better. So that's an example of the purpose of your book, making a difference to it. Um, It also might make a difference to how you go about publishing it. So if you're wanting to just get it out there fairly quickly, then self-publishing or going down the partner publishing route might be the best option for you. You know, if you might want to go for a traditional publishing deal, if you see it as something that is like a very much of a long-term game changer for you, it takes a lot longer to do that. It's a lot more uncertain. Um, but you may feel that it has more credibility for you. So you, you might decide to go down that route. So again, that's another example of the kind of difference it can make. You touched on the length of the book and how many words and I guess how much time you spend on it. And one of the most impactful books I read, authors I read from, is Seth Godkin. And Seth writes very, very short books. You know, they are cannily small. They're, there's no getting away from it. They're short, but they really make impact. So how long should the book be? How long is a piece of string? Yeah, I know. And I think I suppose Seth Godin is one of the exceptions that proves the rule. Mm-hmm. And I think that part of that is because he's got such a huge profile anyway. He doesn't need to write a great big weighty tome. And actually, his books are very digestible and very readable. And I think people's attention spans for books, uh, business books especially, are getting shorter. People quite often want a book they can just read on a flight. Um, so there's nothing wrong with short books by any means. They can be very helpful. But on the other hand, if you want to be able to stand up on a stage and build your authority with a book and hold it up, it kind of does help if it looks a bit more substantial. Uh, And I'm not saying that you should fill it, you know, fill it with stuff for the sake of making it longer. If your content is a certain length, then that's how long the book should be. There's nothing, there's no rule set in stone about it. But it's just one one of the things to consider, really, when you're planning your book, because it helps you plan it as you go through. When you're writing a chapter, you know if you've got 10 chapters and you're aiming at, say, 50,000 words, well, you know roughly how long you want each chapter to be. So it helps you to pace yourself and make sure the book is kind of, you know, well evened out. Now I know who my audience is and now I know what I want from the book. Um, you know, and let's say for the average business expert, it's about profile, it's about authority and credibility. Um, so what's the next step in writing my book? Actually, just going back to the audience thing for a sec, again, I know this sounds really obvious, but when you're thinking about who you're writing your book for, trying to be as specific as possible is good. And the reason for this is that I'm sure you had an experience of reading a book where you could tell the book wasn't really aimed at you, but you still got a lot out of it anyway, because you can just translate. And that's, that's the, the worst thing is when you read a book and you're really not even sure if it's aimed at you at all. That's the kind of most confusing thing. And, and that's when people just will either stop reading or they won't buy it in the first place. So it's really, really useful to make sure that it's aimed at a tight audience and preferably one that serves your business as well. Again, I know that sounds obvious, but it isn't always something that people think about in my experience. So, you know, when you're coming to market your book and sell it, you want to be able to use the same audience that you've built up for your business in an ideal world, you want to be able to streamline that process so that you can use the same audience to promote your book. Whereas if you're aiming at a different group of people, uh, you're going to have to build up a whole new audience from scratch, which is, uh, you know, it's a lot of hard work. So the audience comes after the the objective for the book. Um, But the next step to answer your question is to think about what you're going to write about. Again, sounds really obvious, doesn't it? Uh, 
And if you're an expert and you're wanting to build your profile, then obviously the obvious answer is it's, it's based, the subject matter is based around what you know. But it's, it's useful at this stage to think about, well, what angle on that am I going to take? Like, what is it that isn't covered out there? Um, what have other people written about this? And what have I got that's special to add into it? And I don't think anyone should feel worried about writing in an area that's already well served. Um, if anything, it just proves that there's a market for it. If, I mean, it's actually more of a worry if, if you do a bit of research and find out that nobody else is writing about this at all, because it kind of implies that people don't probably want to read a book about it. But it's useful to think about, I call it finding the gold in your book when you're thinking about your topic. And it's, it's that nugget, it's that thing you can sum up in one sentence that gives you a hook to hang your book on. You know, there's various ways that you can come to this, uh, but I think one of the best ways is to think about it in what I call the even-if rule. So let's suppose you're writing a book about weight loss, for example. So you say uh, the book, your, your goal in your book could be about how do you lose weight? Uh, how do you lose five stone in a year, uh, even if no, no other diet has worked for you before? Or how do you save money, enough money to retire early, even if you've got loads of debt? You know, so this is the kind of the nugget that is going to make your book special. It's going to be the kind of that irresistible thing that draws people in and thinks, I've got to read that. So that's kind of really what you're aiming at with that. And that can take a little bit of working through. And you really need to understand that before you start, because it's very easy then, if you don't know that, it's very easy to start sort of getting a bit vague and general and, and, and unfocused with your, with your writing. And it just really helps if you've got something tight to centre the whole book around. I think that's a really important point. Having read lots of books in a very short space of time, it's sometimes very distracting when the author hasn't got a clear voice in their book because they are not focused on the audience. They're really focused on themselves. So it can be a real ego boost for some authors to actually write a book because they are writing a book because they want to write a book. In some respects, the audience is themselves and there's nothing wrong with writing a book to yourself if that's who your audience is. But what you're saying is, to, to kind of translate this is like leave your ego at the door and really focus on the purpose and the person you, and how you're serving them. One of the things that is challenging me is in thinking about the book I want to write is finding my voice. You know, what is my voice? What does it sound like? And, and how do I get it across in a way that the reader can actually hear my voice? What are your tips on finding the voice within? Yeah, that's a really interesting one. Um, I think it's something that you only learn through experience. And I think writing is like anything. You learn it by doing it. Just in the same way as you learn to play tennis by playing tennis or you learn to play golf by playing golf. You, you just have to keep writing. And, and this is where I think blogging is really helpful, actually, because it helps people practice their writing, getting their content out, getting their ideas out there and helping to develop a, a voice. I mean, I think we all have a voice and it's, I think that the way business books work now is kind of relatively close to your speaking voice, actually. There's a big drive for informality in writing now, but it's still a lot more formal than the way you would talk. So it's not like how you would chat with your mates down at you know, the pub or cafe or whatever. It's more formal than a blog as well, but it's, it's based on the way you speak. And I think if you can think of it like that, uh, that will be a really good starting point. I know I often speak to people when I coach people is some people find it difficult to write in a natural way and they feel that in order to be impressive, they have to use all sorts of long words and words they wouldn't normally use in real life. So, you know, they'll talk about individuals instead of people or they'll talk about sort of in long, you know, long fl flowery sentences. And I'll say, well, would you ever say that in real life? No, you wouldn't. So don't put it in the book. So we don't have to be newscasters when we write uh, it, our story and our, and our own words in a book. That's really helpful. And I like the idea of actually using a blog as a practice for writing a book. So I, I know lots of bloggers and, you know, potentially being a blogger is an apprentice writer. In, in the, uh, so that's really helpful. Yeah. And also, actually, I think something else about blogs that's great is it gives you material for your book. I mean, when I wrote my book, I must have had about 50 or 60 blog posts that I'd written by then. So I, I went back through all of them and, and loads of the material for my book came from stuff I'd already written. I mean, why waste it? You know, it's, and, and also, if you've had feedback on it, the great thing about blog is that you, you get feedback. So it helps you to understand what people really want to know. I've got loads of ideas in my head and I've got loads of things I want, I want to write about. Where should I begin? I think the first thing is to think about what really fills you with passion. So 
you know, you're going to be spending a lot of time writing about this thing, whatever it may be. And it really helps if you find it interesting. Don't write about something just because you think it's the dumb thing to write about it or uh, because, you know, you think you'll make more money out of writing about this or that than the thing you really care about. Uh, I think it's really important that, you, you know, you deeply care about it. And then the next thing to think about is, well, is this thing that I want to write about, is it supportive of my business? So is it going to help my business to write about this thing? And if it isn't, well, that doesn't mean you shouldn't write a book about it. It's just that you're doing it with your eyes open, knowing that it's not going to be a commercial thing for you. And that's fine if that's, that's brilliant. Are you saying that it's okay to write a book knowing that it's not about selling, it's not going to be about making a fortune, it's not even going to help you get on um, a speaking stage or more work? Is it okay to write a book for yourself? Oh, of course it is. Of course. I mean, I'm not going to dictate to somebody what they, why they should write their book or what it should be for. Uh, I often work with people who want to write a book for personal satisfaction. So that's fine. It's just as long as you realise that, that's all. And I think the important thing to do is to kind of not be under the illusion that this thing's going to be a, some kind of bestseller. It's, it's something you're writing that's of more interest to you and maybe a small number of people than it will be to the market as a whole. Um, so that's fine. Yeah. I, I just want to touch on some of the dangers of writing a book. I mean, what are the pitfalls that we should look out for? I've seen some interesting self-published books. I mean, they're interesting in that they are clearly self-published. They're not books I would really want to buy uh, had I known what was in them. And there are some self-published books that are just outstanding and amazing. Um, so there's, there's a whole industry of people out there looking for authors Um you know, to either publish or produce for or to work with. So what are the dangers that um, a, a new author should think about and not try to fall prey to or, you know, not get sucked into? Yeah, well, plenty. Um, although it's, it's never been easier to publish a book than it is now, it's still just as hard to write a good one as it's ever been. So, and the temptation can be because self-publishing, I think it's fabulous. Uh, it's a wonderful tool that authors have been given to get their books out there. We don't have the gatekeepers of the publish, the traditional publishers anymore. Um, people can, can self-publish and be read and be heard and be seen, which is wonderful. It's democratised the whole process. But just like with everything else, um, you know, the, that, that has its pros and cons. It's a bit like social media. Now we can all be bloggers or whatever. I mean, there are some dreadful blogs out there, you know, and then there are some wonderful ones. So um, we have to be careful. We have to be our own quality monitors when we self-publish or when we write the book at all. Um, and, but the, fortunately, there are lots of people out there who can help. So um, there's editors who, who are very important and anyone writing a book and self-publishing needs to make sure they get it edited uh, same with proofreaders, you know, making sure they pick up on mistakes. When you write something, you tend to read what you know, what you think you've written, not what you actually have written. That's just human nature. It's um, everybody does that. So you need someone with a, like a real fresh pair of eyes to go over your manuscript and make sure it's all checked and, and correct. Um, hiring a professional cover designer instead of trying to do it yourself is an important thing. And then paying a lot of attention to the layout the way it looks inside, making, you know, get a, I mean, what I always say is get a, get a book, a professionally published book, a good book that you really like the look of and, and work out what it is about it that is good. Quite often it's that they leave more white space around the inside than, than other people do. You know, self-published books are often quite crammed. Another giveaway actually is that the back cover blurb, as it's called on the back, you know, which tells you what the book's about. People often put too much on there. In an attempt to kind of sing the praises of the book and talk about all the wonderful things in it, it's quite natural to want to put too much in it. But actually, we don't read lots of dense text on the back of a book. We just like to skim it and see quickly what it's about, what we're going to get out of it, why buy it, what's in it for me. You know, that's, that's all people want to know. So being restrained with that is an important thing. I mean, you know, this is a, probably a topic I could talk about for an hour in its own right. But, you know, those are the, those are the main things, I think. Yeah. And your own book is a, a fine example of that. I, I must admit, when I picked up your book, there are sufficient white space for you to easily read it. And it feels like a well put together book. And in my own mind, I'm thinking about uh, the way I want it to look and feel. And I, and I personally like the idea of a high quality hardback book. You know, it feels good. If I'm going to read this book for the next X days or weeks, I want people to enjoy the process because for me, in, in the work that I do, I, I like to make sure that people enjoy 
the, the process of working with me. So I want that manifested in the book as well. So I, I guess the book, the, the physical form is a part of your identity and it's part of who you are. So whether, if you want to come across as simple, straightforward and, you know, low value, you're going to pick a really, you know. You don't want to come across as cheap, do you? That's no, you don't. <laughs> I know, and it's it's um it's really surprising what little things can make a big difference. And uh, interestingly, actually, I read a book recently that was a traditionally published book, which you know I was surprised at what a poor job they'd done of the um of the production actually. And what they'd done was they'd made the page size quite large, but they hadn't in- increased the font size accordingly, and it was all quite cramped in there. So each page took forever to read, and it was really hard work. And I I couldn't quite work out why it felt like such hard work until I. I thought, well, hang on, it's because of that. But you see, people don't really realise it. They don't. Um, they won't. Um, they won't. Anal- most people wouldn't analyse it like that. It's only I do it because I'm a saddo who spends my life looking analysing books the whole time. <laughs> but but you know, and that was a traditional publisher, so they don't, they don't even always get it right. Um, but yeah, it's really important. So what we're saying here is that building a book, writing a book, although it's a solitary job, it's not um, a solitary. Uh, project you need to build a team of people around you to do this right like you would in any other business if you're starting out as a freelancer you know you've got to have a website it needs to sing and dance about you and building a book is actually about building a team around you that can support you through the process so I guess if you shortcut it then you are going to shortcut it and it will come across that way yeah absolutely absolutely and I have seen and and you've probably seen some some absolute nightmare um, (laughs) and I feel very sorry for them because you know they obviously put their heart and soul into the book and you think you know what there's actually a great message here but it's just lost because the production values are terrible and I, and I just can't can't get push myself to to work through this. I know, I know. It, it actually makes me cry almost when I see books like that because I just think all the time that author is spent on it. And I think we have, some people have a kind of blindness. They can't quite see what's wrong with the physical end result. And um, we have to accept that we're not experts in this area and we, we have to buy in that expertise. And there isn't any way of producing a book for free, a good one anyway. Well, I think, you know, all entrepreneurs are guilty of actually just being very focused on what they're doing. And, and you sometimes need to step away and get somebody to, to draw that out for you. So I've, I'm on the way. I've got a form. I've got a, a focus. I've got a message. And I've picked out the one that I'm going to write about. So how do I turn this idea, this concept I've got for my book into, you know, how do I begin actually writing the book what do I do do I just write it or is there a planning process that I should go through yeah well I would normally recommend planning your book first most people find it a lot easier to write the book that way so if you know what you want to write about there's a couple of different ways you can go about thinking about the content um depends on your personality really so I mean one way is to get a mind to draw mind map you know so you've got your your central topic and then you've got all of the different elements of it coming out. Um, you're just brainstorming at this stage. And at the end of it all, you'll come out of this sort of demented spider's web <laughs> type thing. But at least it gives you something to start with. Another way that some people enjoy doing it is to get post-it notes. And you just write a scribble a topic or an idea on each different note, stick it on a whiteboard or a flip chart paper or whatever. And at the end of it, you'll have a kind of forest of, of notes um, and then when you've got your forest of notes or your, your chart, you can then, then start to organise them into, into topics. So you're thinking, okay, well, this will go with this, this will go with this. Yeah, and slowly but surely a plan of chapters will, will emerge from that. And so really what you want to have before you start the book is a basic table of contents. So chapter one is this, chapter two is that. And really what you're thinking then is, well, what is the first thing my readers would want to know? given this message that I have that I'm putting in the book. What's the next thing they would need to know? What's the one after? Um, And some books, it's pretty obvious because it might be like a how-to guide. So you need to know one thing before you learn the next. Other books, it might be maybe more of a thought leadership type of title where um, you're talking about your your thinking around a particular topic. It might not be so critical what order things are in. You can always split a book up into multiple different kinds of structures, but you need to have something in the beginning to start off with and if something changes as you go along well that's fine but it's really really helpful to have some kind of basic structure i'm thinking about the the reader now and the journey that they're going through i like the idea of actually you know building 
the story up or building the purpose of the book up at the beginning. Um, but you sometimes get this hype in, in a book and then there's no follow through afterwards. So in terms of balance the book, so it's actually a page turner that delivers value through each chapter. Yeah, yeah. And what can be really helpful is to think about, well, what's the point of this chapter? So what is it I want somebody to get out of it by the end? Do they need to have learned something? Do they need to have understood something? And then I think the way that you begin and end a chapter is really useful as well, because people at the end, once they've read a chapter, they've always got that, there's a kind of decision they make, is am I going to read the next one or not? Am I just going to put it down now or am I going to carry on? And so if you can find a way of making the openings of your chapters intriguing, a bit different, a bit interesting, and find a way of closing them in such a way as it makes people want to carry on, uh, then you've got the bare bones of a readable book. I think readability and being engaging with your book is, is actually just as important as what you say. It's, um, it might sound a bit, surf, you know, maybe a bit shallow to say that, but I think people read books that they enjoy. And none of us, I, I mean, if I, ever, if I said to you, when was the last time you read a book where you read the first chapter, found it incredibly useful, but extremely boring and hard work, and, and you ploughed on to the end of it regardless? I would imagine you would probably say never. <laughs> so we just don't, do we? We've got other things to do with our time. Yeah. So it's our job to make it interesting. Uh, and I'm a school governor and, you know, and I've been for a while. And they at school, they tell kids, you know, get a book. And if you don't like it, if it doesn't sing to you, if it doesn't connect with you, don't worry about it, you know. Yeah. Take it back to the library and pick another one. I, I tell my kids the same. Look, if, you know, let's get a book. If you don't like it, don't worry about it, you know. Give it back and... Yeah, we and yeah, that's lovely. I'm glad they tell kids that now because I think when I was a kid, it was all no, no, no. You should persist at the end, and I still have a guilt about books that I don't finish <laughs> to this day. It's terrible, isn't it? Well, I guess when they have got a, a GCSE preferred book, that, you know, they have to stick with it. But for their own purpose, you know, um, I want them to read books they enjoy, and and I want it to be an enjoyable read as well. If I write one, so now I've, I've written my book. I've got it to the point where it's in its finished form. Um, I've sent it to my proofreader. Congratulations. (laughs) (laughs) Broke open the champagne. (laughs) Excellent. So we should reward ourselves. Uh, Yes. As we progress. (laughs) Every step of the way. How much time should I budget, you know, for writing this book? Should it be like a Brian Tracy, one book every three months? Should I expect to write a book in three months? Or should it be something I planned for that's going to take me a while? Oh, every three months at least. I mean, honestly, like you're slacking or something. I mean, what? <laughs> no, I mean, oh, that's just such a difficult question to answer. And I actually, I, I'm a, I don't like this thing of, there seems to be this macho thing going on where like, oh, I wrote my book in two months, mm. you know, or I, I went on holiday and I did it all on the sun lounger. And I think, oh, you know, that sounds like a fun holiday, you know, <laughs> I have a break. <laughs> it's like... For the record, I've been thinking about a book for the past 10 years. And so when I've actually written it, it'll be almost 10 years. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, it'll be a much better book for it. Uh, I, I'd far rather read a book that somebody's taken their time over than that somebody's dashed it off because they were desperate to meet some self-imposed macho deadline about so they could brag about how quickly they wrote it. You know, that seems to be a bit of a thing at the minute. Um, so. I mean, I spent at least two years writing my book because uh, I was fitting it in amongst other things and then life happened and I put it on, on hold for a bit and then I came back to it. And uh, Some people managed to get it done in six months. I think six months is probably the quickest that most people would do a book, given that you, you've got a day job at the same time. I mean, you're not, you know, you're bu- you know we're all busy people. Um, I think that's very impressive if somebody can do that, but it, it's by no means essential. So yeah, it's a very individual thing. I like the the fact that, you know, you've got to have a sense of reality about how long it takes. And I agree, you shouldn't set yourself an artificial deadline for the book. It's more about the quality of the work rather than the, you know, the speed and, and time because the, your reader's not going to be grateful for <laughs> rushed it through. Now I've got the book, it's in its published, almost published form. What next? So uh, this is before you've published it then. Yeah, so it's ready for public publication. Yeah. So, um, well, there are kind of three main ways you can publish your book. One is to go and approach a traditional publisher um, or various traditional publishers. Um, and to do that, you, you need a proposal, which is a, a marketing document for your book. And it's a pretty substantial document. And that's a pretty hit and miss and time consuming route, but it can be ultimately very rewarding if you get a publishing deal. There are all sorts of benefits to it, but there are all sorts of drawbacks as well. Uh, the main one being that it takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you, a lot of business people, 
you know, having written their book, they're usually go-getters, you know, entrepreneurs and not normally the people who want to sit around waiting on somebody else. They like to get on with it and take control. Uh, so, you know, you have to be prepared to, you know, for all of that if you go down that route. Kind of on the other end of the scale, uh, there's self-publishing, what I call a DIY route, really. So, bring in your own experts, find an editor, find a book designer, find a formatter, find the people who can help you turn your book into a published form, put it on Amazon, you can put it on other online retailers and and do it all yourself. That, depending on how much effort you put into it, can be the quickest way because it's under your control, essentially. Can I just interrupt and ask you, I'm getting the structure there and I'm thinking about all these other people that need to be involved. If I wrote it all myself and I didn't have somebody like you helping me, how much should I budget to get this project off the blocks? And Again, it's a, a bit of how long is a piece of string because it kind of depends on the quality of the people that you you bring in. But, I mean, I would imagine you could budget a couple of thousand, you know, and that, that should probably cover it off for you. Um, I'm not a publishing expert or a self-publishing expert. My expertise is really more around the writing of the book, but I do know a fair bit about publishing because obviously of, of the world I, I move in. But... Yeah, so the the self-publishing route is not free. It can be if you really want it to be, but it wouldn't be a good end result. But in theory, it's possible to do it all yourself. I wouldn't recommend it. Um, So that's kind of, that's another, that's another option. And then there's also a kind of midway option, really, which is uh, what's often called partner publishing, which is where you you pay a publishing company to publish your book for you. So the easiest way of thinking of the difference between that and traditional publishing is that in a traditional publisher you're a supplier so you're a supplier of the manuscript you don't own the end book they they take on board all of the risks and costs and therefore they you get paid royalties but you're not allowed any more say in it Uh, with a partner publisher you're a client so you're paying them to produce your book uh, to a certain standard and they will involve you in all the decisions to do with say the cover design the title the formatting the all the kind of different things that go into making a book so in some ways I think you get the best of both worlds because it's a lot quicker than traditional publishing um it's certainly a lot less time consuming than doing it all yourself you'll get usually a better end result if you go with a good company uh the only downside is you pay more money to do that way than you do on the in either of the other options yeah well it's important to know that this is not a free ride writing a book that's your own work is not going to cost you nothing so i think i just want to get over that that reality check if you're going to do it right you should have a budget or you do it completely yourself and you could probably find another book to tell you how i know you could find another book to tell you how to publish it you could yep you can find books on everything It's all there, but you kind of get what you pay for. What do you want out of the book, isn't it? You know, um, if you want more credibility and you want more authority and you want to create more value for yourself, then you're going to have to invest a little bit more in the project. So that's really sensible. So I want to kind of close off with some of the successes that you have seen and some of the, yeah, let's let's stick to successes. (laughs) That's about politics, isn't it? What have you seen that people have actually achieved from their book? You know, and I'm talking about, not, I'm not talking about celebrities or, you know, millionaire entrepreneurs. I'm talking about, you know, working freelancers or consultants or business people that have, have striven hard and, are, you know, are still working to, for their, their goals in life. Well, it ranges from the joy and satisfaction of having published a book, which is phenomenal. Uh, you know, one of my clients, I remember, talked to me about how, people would come up to her at conferences and ask her to sign their book <laughs> and they just haven't had it with them. And it was, and, and, you know, just wonderful. I mean, giving, meeting somebody uh, randomly who's read your book and has something nice to say about it uh, is just fabulous. You can't really put a price on that, I think. But also knowing people who can now charge an extra thousand pounds for a speaking engagement that they couldn't before because they've got a book. Um, people who have, um, been approached by more clients who would have never have met them before because they read their book and decided they wanted to work with them. You know, I'm talking to you on this podcast now because of my book. You know, and, and all things like, uh, I know one of the things I did with my book was um, I quoted a few other authors in the book because I admired their work and, and wanted to bring them into it. And then it occurred to me when I published it that I should tell them that they were in it because I thought, you know, I, I would like that if I was in somebody's book. And of course, so some of them then were very nice and and tweeted the fact that they were in my book because, you know, it's nice for them to be in a book. And I ended up getting into somebody's blog because of that, you know. And so there are all these kind of serendipitous opportunities that aren't always measurable, but 
build up over time. Um, and also think as well, something that people overlook is how you can get into being interviewed, whether it be on a podcast or anything uh, in a journal or whatever. But and your book is the kind of reason for you being there. So you're you're not you're not necessarily even going to talk about your book a lot, but it was just the fact that it brought you to the attention of the editor. So many different things that can come out of it. Yeah, and we are in a society that really values um, authors highly. So if that is something that's part of something that you want for yourself or you think that you've got something worth sharing, then there are definitely people that want to work with authors because they're an author and therefore it's, it's instant credibility providing it's a good book. And also, to some extent, sad to say, even if the book isn't great, it does provide credibility. But I think uh, for everything I do and everything I'm talking about here, if one of my listeners is thinking about writing a make sure the book it represents the highest standards that you can aim to be at because somebody's going to pick that book up and um, if they do read it that's going to be the mark of you so make sure it's a high standard it's got your name on the cover so it needs to live up to the sort of impression that you want to make on people um, and if you've just written a book so you can say you've got a book it will soon become apparent to people that read who read it that you've got more form than substance well, for me, I read your book as, as a competition judge and frankly, I enjoyed it and I, I'm keeping it and I'm going to use it to write my book. And, and this conversation uh, has just supported the belief that you know what you're talking about. Well, thank you. And, and you're going to help me in my journey to turn my ideas into a book. And hopefully many I really things. hope you do that and I wish you all the, all the very best. Good luck with that. I'm going to quote you in there. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put you in there to say it was Ginny that kind of helped me along. Oh, so thank you. Thank you very much for being part of uh, my podcast. And I wish you every success. And maybe one day I can pay you enough to tell me who amazing, which amazing people. You <laughs> well, well, hopefully one day we'll actually meet in person as well. That would be very nice. I it? look forward to that. And, and if I, if I do remember, I will, and I know you're going to be there. I'm going to bring my book because I'd like you to sign it. Oh, thank you. That's so kind. That's wonderful. Thanks very much. I've really enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast as much as I did. Thank you for sharing your time with us. Please let me know what you think through the feedback options. If you have any questions, please do get in touch. Until next time, this is Asim Ishak from the Entrepreneurs Trust podcast. Goodbye, take care and stay really, really well. Well,